Welcome, Steve. So good to see you again. And oh my God, you're such a serial entrepreneur. You're now started another company. Do you want to talk a little bit about M10? Sure. M10 is uh, basically solving the problem of uh, we have very old plumbing that is underlying our banking systems. And so it's modernizing that to be um, much more efficient in terms of how we move money, the protocols, how many times you sanction screen, and so forth. And so it's kind of like extreme makeover, but it's for the plumbing. It's for the stuff that people don't see. Uh, and it's kind of hard to displace the plumbing that's there, uh, but it is kind of old and there are much more efficient ways to, to do it. So, and th that makes cross-border payments uh, happen, can happen instantly 24 by seven. So faster than you could do a local payment, you could do a cross-border payment. So people don't see it, but people benefit from having better plumbing, correct? That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Everybody will note, they'll wonder, wow, <laughs> it suddenly worked better, yeah, right? Exactly. But the faucets are all the same, and but uh, yeah. there will actually be some new faucets that will give you more direct access than you would have by having to go through your bank. Fabulous. So what do you think about all the changes? And we just seem to be ripe at the moment for, with all the new challenger banks, neobanks. Um, people are really focused on changing the banking industry. What's your overview? Well, you know, um, we're in a period of transition and, and uh, there are some new trends that are taking off. And, you know, like one of, one of them is what we're doing in terms of digital money and making things more efficient. And banks have a choice because they can either get on the train and they can go and say, okay, this stuff is inevitable. Let's be the first ones on it. Yeah. Or they can uh, lag behind. And so uh, as an example, the internet, uh, banks waited about, the last bank that got on the internet waited about 10 years before they got on. And some people got on early and, and took advantage of that, that opportunity. And, and you know, we're gonna see the same thing with okay. uh, happening with any new technology. Some people will say, I'm, I don't like this, this is gonna disintermediate, I'm making lots of money right now, I don't wanna you know, have, uh, yeah. yeah, I don't wanna rock the boat. And other people say, well, you know, we should eat, or we we should do this because if we don't do it, if if we don't cannibalize ourselves, yeah. then someone else will. Yeah. And so you just see a mixture of of approaches out there. So what's your overview in the about the future and where we're headed now? Because it it does seem like a very exciting time. At the moment. Yeah, I think it's a, a interesting transition time. When over the next five years, we're going to see some pretty remarkable changes on how things are are done. And just as a precursor of that, you're seeing central banks, 70 to 80% of central banks are looking at launching a central bank digital currency. And so that didn't happen before. And so Libra, the, the big benefit of Libra was actually kicking the banks to say, look, you know, there is a demand for this and you should provide it. And uh, it, I don't think Libra will ever be commercially successful, but I think it will be successful in the sense of moving banks out of their kind of sit back, this has been going complacency into taking action. It's sort of like the sacrificial lamb really and um, everyone like hated Mark Zuckerberg and, and, and Libra yeah, and, and then they like, we've got to do something better. Him for, uh, for basically showing the banks that uh, they should be doing something better. And uh, maybe he didn't realize that he was, again, part of the sacrificial lamb part. But it was great, right? Yeah. yeah. Sure. So the future looks bright. Thank you so much for coming. And I think it's going to be a great panel. Sure. My pleasure. Okay.
Welcome, Jason. Thanks so much for coming. Um, do you want to tell us a bit about what's happening at OFX? Yeah, thank you, Pamela. Thanks for hosting. This has been really great. We met some great people. So we're really working with other financial institutions, specifically banks, offering our foreign exchange rails and services to them. So we're you know high-tech, high-touch, offering not only the digital experience for their clients, but also a high-touch uh, call center, tier one, tier two support, all the support for them. Um, which they really like because they want to, you know, know that if a client's sending half million dollars, two million dollars, they want to talk to someone. They might want to not just swipe that on their phone and be done with it, as you can imagine. Yeah. And our agents will help them with a the foreign exchange, you know, any questions and stuff like that, because that's our specialty. So that offloads all that responsibility from the bank uh, to us. And we can even have, uh, you know, the AML and a lot of the reg regulation and compliance offloaded to us as well. So it's a huge benefit for them. We're seeing a lot of good pickup from banks around the world looking to improve their operations with uh, other groups like us. Fantastic and so cool. It, it was originally an Aussie startup. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Australians doing well. Yeah. yeah. And so we've got big um, big news coming out. We've um, Macquarie Bank is one of our obviously our big clients, um, ING as well, and some other groups out of Australia using us and picking us up and also in the US uh, more coming on board. So it's uh, really exciting. Fantastic. And uh, anything that helps with um, global payments, my, all my kids are in Australia and it's really hard to get money across to each other. So yeah, it's helpful. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, obviously we make it a lot easier and cost effective. And so what's the future for OFX? Are there new things coming? Yeah, so our API suite is growing every day. So we're adding new features and services to that. And I think that's really the direction of where we're going and helping services. Uh, individuals and small to medium to even larger size companies uh, with those API feeds for other institutions to use. So I think that's really the future we're looking at. Fantastic. Well, the banks didn't really do a really great job about the international transfers, so I'm sure that OFX has got its place in the community. Yeah, we're trying to. We're trying to help them do a better job with their own clients, which I think is kind of where it's going now. There's a lot of competition, but now the banks are responding to like, hey, there's been a lot of outside competition and we're the group that they can work with and compete against the other, either pure digital plays, the neobanks, all kinds of stuff like that. So it's a, it's a nice win-win for everyone. And the clients don't have to switch around a lot. They know the bank they trust and now they're getting the same services they, uh, they deserve um, via Rails. Such an exciting time at the moment here in Silicon Valley with all the neobanks and the yeah. challenger banks and all the new innovation that's coming. The incumbents really do have to get off their asses. Oh, yeah. amazing. <laughs> I mean, we spoke to Monzo Bank. They're doing 50,000 new clients a week. Wow. It's yeah. just yeah. insane, right? So, right. yeah. So now I think, and it's good for all the, because not everyone's going to switch to a neobank. So for the people that aren't yes. doing that, it's good that the banks are improving themselves. And that's what we're trying to help them improve themselves so their internal clients that may not, may think about switch, may not, whatever, that will help them um, uh, service and get that service that somewhere else, they could get it somewhere else, but they don't have to anymore. Well, thanks so much for coming tonight and I'm sure it's going to be a great panel. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Thanks so much, Pamela. It's always a pleasure.
Welcome, Ken. So glad to see you again. I know you've been to a few of our panels over the years. It's like almost four years I've been doing this. It's so cool. Oh, thanks for having me again. It's always fun. And um, always impressed and want to know more about what's happening at Snapcheck. Um, can you give us a quick overview? Yeah, just quick. I So just set the foundation again. So we're on a mission to eliminate paper checks, help businesses to cross over that digital divide into electronic payments. And I mean, you know, 2019 was just really a banner year for us. I mean, you know, our, our growth was just amazing. We hit, you know, like 8x growth over the year, and you know, we're looking to double that uh, this year. So it's pretty amazing. You know, we're really excited about 2020. So I think um, America is like the only country that's still using checks anyway so you know you must be so much of service in this country um you know we we do get a lot of inquiries because people forget that that is the default the way that businesses people make payments it's just you know the easy simple and the tried and true way um but you know there are other pockets around the world that are still stuck in this uh you know morass of antiquity well, I know a UK investor came over and asked me out for coffee and uh, she said to me, oh my God, they're still using checks here. This was a few years ago and I'm like, I know. <laughs> anyway, um, so tell me, um, what do you think's going on at the moment? There's certainly a lot of um, action happening in this um, fintech startup world, um, a lot of challenger banks and um, innovations. What, what's your overview on the whole thing? I think it's all really exciting right now. I mean, especially the announcements just over the past week or so, right? Today with Lending Club buying Radius Bank, right? Now the fintechs are gobbling up the banks instead of banks gobbling up the fintechs, which is really a turnabout. Yes. Um, and, you know, Vero getting clearance from FDIC is a really great thing. So I think we're, we're starting to see a lot of the experiments finally start to take hold, right? And now... Uh, over the next two years, we're going to see, you know, which of the different models works, right, and works best, and what are some of the pros and cons of each of them. So it's been a long time coming. Right? The U.S. has really taken the slow pace to this modernization, but I think now we're really at the crux of yes. you know, this you know, new world that's yes. going to be coming about. And so great because you're in the middle of it, right? <laughs> or the, the leading of leading it. Um, so, what's your uh, take on the future, like where we're heading headed now? Now that things are really popping in the banking industry. Yeah, I mean, so, so you know, there's been so much anticipation and so much work put in, you know, to try to start this modernization, and now we're starting to see things take hold. Um, so, you know, in my world of, of payments, you know, the most exciting thing is real-time payments, faster payments, and and you know, the, the task force was put together what, five, six years ago, but now it's real, right? And there are faster rails out there you know, from Clearinghouse, and now the Fed is coming out with FedNow over the next couple of years, and we're going to start to see right, a, finally a modernization of you know, ACH, which was 40 years old. We're going to start seeing what new technology can bring to bear to move money faster and you know, once you move money faster, it just opens up a wealth of opportunities for other financial services and financing and loans and, and you know, all kinds of on-demand services, right? You're starting to see um, you know, the, the Uber drivers getting paid immediately after a drive. So uh, you know, all of these things open up once you, you know, bring in new technology. So that's exciting.
And why do you think the US has been so slow in this, this area? Because I, I was asking that question 10 years ago and, um, you know, a few people gave me some feedback. What's your opinion? Yeah, well, I think, you know, the answer hasn't changed in 10 years, right, is, you know, we just have an incredibly complex system, okay. right? Not only, you know, technology-wise, um, you know, we had a very modern system, you know, back in the 60s and 70s. Yeah. And as we know, once you invest in that technology, it's really hard to not wring every ounce of profit out of it. Um, but then we also have, you know, our you know, governmental structure with federal and state and different regulations across 50 different entities, yeah. plus, you know, all of them regulating 11,000 financial institutions, where in most countries you have a dozen, two dozen banks here. You know, the orders of magnitude are just exponentially different. Right. Okay. Fair enough. Okay. Well, look, I'm really looking forward to this panel. I think it'll be great. Thanks so much for coming again. And thanks for having me. It's going to be fun. Welcome, Manish. Lovely to meet you. I was wondering if you could tell me what you've done at um, Money Lion. Sure. Um, so, as VP of Product at Money Lion, you know, a large, um, large part of my responsibility was um, on the banking side. So, when I joined the company, um, you know, one of the big initiatives that we had taken on was to launch uh, a brand new checking account for our users. Um, you know, I was uh, kind of tasked to um, get this launched uh, to. Uh, to our users. Um, it was something that, you know, we had basically built out with a number of integrations with, with third parties. Um, but within six months, you know, we had gone um, all the way from um, inking partnerships deals all the way to launch. And that was something that I was primarily responsible for at Moneyline. Very exciting. Um, so obviously, um, we've all been through that 2018 crash, and um, I, I, we were just talking about that I'd just seen this, uh, re-seen the Too Big to Fail movie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> shocking, movie. shocking. Yeah. Um, but um, I guess that's why it's so exciting, all the innovation that's happening now in yeah. the banking industry, in the startups that are in the banking industry, um, who are sort of pushing gently the incumbents to actually change some of their stuff. Yeah. What's your view on that? Yeah, I mean, you know, right now, obviously, there's a, a lot of um, money being thrown around, a lot of funding for a lot of these uh, startups, a lot of these challenger banks. And so, um, you know, subsequently, you're seeing a lot of players in, in this field. Um, you know, I think what will be really interesting uh, is, you know, as we move forward and, you know, as economic climate changes, uh, when money starts drying up, that's when we'll really start to see, you know, who will sort of weather the storm and okay. be able to uh, really kind of hit that path of profitability. You know, that, that's a big thing that we that we always talk about is, you know, especially in banking is what is that path to profitability look like? Okay. Um, you know, it, and it's a it's a very interesting question, right? Um, I, I think, you know, the, the, the players who will end up being really successful uh, in, in this field um, are those who will basically figure out um, you know how do we uh, how do we really reach that that stage where we can break even and and, and start hitting profits and, and in my opinion it's it's really going to be about not just banking but um, really bu the bundling of financial services together. Um, this is something that we you know we talked a lot about at Moneyline and something that we really focused on was bundling a lot of these services together. Um, so you're able to kind of cross sell from one service to, to the next. Um, the bundling of services together along with uh, this concept of a um, membership model. I think kind of those two combined um, is, you know, one way of 
kind of hitting that uh, path to profitability. And how do you think the incumbent banks feel about all the innovation? I mean, we're in the heart of it here in Silicon Valley. Yeah. What do you think's going on behind closed doors? Because I, I couldn't get any of the big banks to come to this panel, which okay. is unusual. I've had a few panels with big banks. Sure. So um, I think some things afoot. In other words, they can feel all the change that's happening. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think um, from the perspective of the big banks, you know, they definitely see um, uh, this disruption. I mean, they're, you know, you start to see these challenger banks coming up. They're continuously, um, you know, growing in terms of users um, and and getting larger and larger. Um, they, I think they definitely feel it. You know, um, they obviously have the benefit of of being around for many years, having a very large, uh, you know, user base. Um, you know, it's interesting when we when we did kind of user studies um, and we talked to users. Um, you know, we're trying to figure out, okay, what is it about your bank that you like or dislike? And you know, what we found was um, users they're they're not super happy about you know where they bank. Uh, the big sort of um, you know uh, obstacle for them to switch banks is just pure inertia. Uh, for them to kind of switch all of their billing, all of their um, you know direct deposits over to over to another bank, yeah. but I think what what's happening and what we're starting to see now is you know the dropping of fees, um, the ability to provide more instant uh, payment methods, um, just being able to you know access uh, the mobile app and and being able to um, you know take out a loan or or access your banking functionality within a matter of uh, seconds yeah. um, is is really where these challenger banks are starting to win and uh, you know I think a lot of these large banking institutions are taking note of that and that's why you see a lot of kind of investment and in, uh, being being made on uh, building out uh, uh, products on the digital side. Right. Well, I'm sure the future's bright um, because definitely I would like to see the incumbents like change or go, whatever they want yeah. to do. Yeah. So um, that would be great. So thank you so much for coming. And I think it's going to be a fabulous panel. Thank you very much. I'm looking forward to it. Okay. Welcome, Sarah. And congratulations on Varro becoming a bank this last past week. It was so excited and so pleased that you're able to contribute to the panel. Um, and I guess you're all excited at Varro, right? Yeah, thank you. Really happy to be here. And um, Varro just received its FDIC insurance approval, which is, you know, one of the last steps in our journey in becoming a bank. Uh, so we're very excited about that. Uh, it was a good good week at the office. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Lots of celebrations. So tell me about your uh, in product. Do you want to talk a little bit about what you do? Sure. I've been at Varro for about two years now. Um, within the product team, during that time, I've worked on, you know, everything from our savings and auto savings features, and I'm now heading up growth product, uh, leading our efforts in, you know, acquisition and engagement for our customers. Fantastic. And um, how do you see the banking innovation changing the incumbents? Banking innovation, I guess, the the ability to mix in the level of technology that we have. Um, and the tight user feedback loop um, is really, I'm hoping, driving a change in providing more access and really democratizing financial tools. Um, I've worked in fintech for a while now, and, and I think my passion is uh, working on those products that are great equalizers for everyone, whether it's access to uh, wealth in the long term or access to credit. 
So I, I can tell you a story. I'm originally Australian and um, I was divorced. Um, my, I had three little children, all toddlers, like under the last, the youngest one was one and a half. And I went to the bank um, to get a credit card and, and they wouldn't give me a credit card. Now, obviously I'm old, so it was many years ago, um, but it really pissed me off because it was, I was working for myself. I was working from home so I could keep an eye on the kids when they were home and, um, you know, I just, there was no allowance made. They just said, oh, you're working for yourself and you're divorced and by yourself and you're a woman. And I, I remember I was interviewing um, Jane, um, who, uh, I've forgotten her last name, who started Dermalogica when I first came here. And she was saying women are incredible in that they always repay their debts, like, you know, 99%. And, um, you know, it's just the figures don't fit with how, we've been treated really um, by the incumbents. And so I think, you know, minority groups too have had problems. So um, I really see this innovation being very, very important. And like you said, an equalizer. Yeah, and isn't that, you know, I mean, that's an unfortunate story and one that probably resonates with a lot of people. There are still to this day, a lot of flaws in um, assessing credit worthiness and a lot of staid practices of, of banks. Um, so, you know, the irony is that while you walked into a bank and had a very personal inner exchange, there was no exchange of, you know, personal trust um, yes. for you. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, I think that the level of, of data that we can, you know, conglomerate on customers will work in their best interest to, you know, give people the credit they deserve, um, not assess them based on, you know, older principles that don't don't help them advance. Yeah. I think you always have to bring a hum the human uh, into the equation with any sort of business, and I think that's great. It's the wonderful thing about the startup world is that we are seeing more of that. Thank you so much for coming. I'm really looking forward to this panel. Sure, sure. I am too. Thank you. Welcome, Shreya. Thanks so much for coming. I really would like to hear a little bit about Deserve. What you do. Sure. Uh, first of all, thanks for having me here. And... Uh, we at Deserve are a credit card platform. And you can think of it credit card as a service where uh, Deserve can take care of uh, any other uh, institution or uh, any companies. If they want to launch a credit card, then we can do end-to-end -end origination, management, customer service, the whole portfolio management, uh, including the management of the uh, credit card uh, life cycle. Okay. And uh, what is your um, overview um, coming from a, a banking uh, company about the changes that are happening now as far as all the challenger banks and um, innovation happening in the banking industry? Sure. These are exciting times when uh, as a customer, you have all the choices. You can go to a so-called traditional bank or a big bank, or you can call brick and mortar bank if you like going offline to a branch, you have all that options. And we have challenger banks, neo banks, or you can say online heavy banks. And uh, each, uh, in my view, uh, appeal to a certain audience. And even within a particular demographics or a type of audience, there are, in the end, all of us are individuals, everybody different. So many people in each uh, type of demographics, some may have a personal preference. Somebody may have personal preference for a uh, digital or a mobile uh, interface and some people may want to go to a bank. Uh, but these are interesting times and uh, each type of institution 
they need to focus on customer in the end whether the means is a offline a online or a modern or a traditional means the uh, customer because they have so many choices they will gravitate towards whoever is <coughs> meeting their pain points or meeting their needs or providing a great service and that great service can be provided either online or offline and uh, so just being one type or the other is not the advantage yes. being the best on the mo most helpful uh, bank or financial institution in your yes. segment is uh, something yeah. people need to focus on. And I and I think um, what you're saying really is there's so much more choice now um, for for customers. Yes. And uh, where do you think we're headed? What, what is the future as far as you, your uh, vision or your opinion? Uh, well, uh, although it's very hard to predict the future, but what happens if you uh, if history is any uh, educator to the, our view to the future, yes. then uh, these are the good times. Currently, we are at the uh, in a good run of the economy and stock market and everything. So when uh, we run into rough times or economic downturn, mm. that will be a good test of which method uh, is going to survive because mostly the innovation or the technology heavy or uh, the neo banks. Uh, they they must find a way to be profitable, yes. while large banks have figured it out and they exist for many years because, uh, and again with exceptions, but yeah. most of the large banks make money, and many of the uh, neo banks or challenger banks, they they need to be a more financially sound and once they figure it out, then, uh, I mean both Very types, I think the best in both class uh, yeah. have a future has right. a future. Right. Well, thank you so much for coming. I think it's going to be a very interesting panel. Thank you. Thank you.